guys, welcome to episode 24 of the Atlas Podcast. My name is Emma Loggins, Editor-in-Chief at Sambolt.com. My name is Jakai Mickelson with Atlanta Movie Tours. And we have an exciting episode today, full of surprises, because <laughs> I literally just put together an outline a few hours ago, so... Surprising! Well, surprising! But, yes, which is, you know, part of what fun is fun if it's not surprising. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so let me give you guys a brief outline of everything we're, we have in store for you today. Um, we want to catch up with uh, with our baby update <laughs> and <laughs> with Chikai. And then also talk about um, some events that happened this last week. Uh, the Beltline Lantern Parade, of course. Um, the Captain America Tour, which was a partnership between Disney Home Entertainment and Atlanta Movie Tours. Talk about the premiere of the FX series Atlanta, which is Donald Glover's new series, which, of course, was shot here in Atlanta as well. So good. Just saying. So, so good. So, good. So, so good. Um, we have an interview with Bridget Jones's baby stars, Renee Zellweger, Colin Firth, and Patrick Dempsey. And then we also have a movie review of Sully. So full full episode today. Boom! I do feel like that is a very uh, that is a well rounded episode. I think. Let's so. hear it for twenty four, everybody. Yay. Let's hear it for twenty four. <laughs> I briefly thought about trying to find some sort of twenty four news to go in our episode twenty four, but then I was like, eh. Oh <laughs> You're well. Like, ah, laziness. <laughs> oh well. Laziness took laziness. over. I'm like, and who cares, really? Exactly. No, if I, when you were saying, oh, episode 24, I need to say something witty about how many hours there are in a day or maybe a Kiefer Sutherland uh, joke, but nothing happened for me either. So <laughs> Same page. <yeah. laughs> um, well, yeah, I know you probably don't want to, to start with a baby update, but I want to start with the baby update. Oh. So. <laughs> Well, I want the baby well, update. Well, no, so, so here's the exciting uh, stuff now. Now he's just pretty much a baby. Right, and which which means now, um, it it's uh, just figuring out how to sleep, and how to uh, make sure he's getting all the sustenance he needs. Um, and we put him on his swing to relax him. Um, little Zax is just basically, uh, Mandy calls it the alien stage, where he's not quite super interactive, but he's he's super um, alert, and he'll look around a lot, and then he'll cry, and then he'll eat, and he pooped. I listen. I have to tell you, he poops all at once. It's not, it's not like a, ooh, I'm going to ease into this. It's just like a shotgun blast of poop right to the back of the diaper. So I don't know if that's something to brag about as a father, but for now, I'm going to go ahead and pretend like it is. My baby poops with vigor. So, uh, yeah, I don't even, I don't even know where to go from there. Um, it, it's weird to say my baby has a very strong butthole. So maybe I shouldn't say that. That's, yeah. It's weird. Too late. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, um, it's actually going really well. Mandy and I uh, just put together a rocking chair so we can now rock him. Well, well, Mandy can rock him Aww. while she's nursing. And uh, yeah, I just feel like we're um, we're kind of becoming parents outside of a hospital, which has been very exciting. We've taken him to a couple barbecues. We've taken him on walks in a stroller, which is hilarious because uh, I am totally now a person pushing a baby in a stroller, which if you knew me is a pretty funny sight to see but if you don't you just see a guy pushing a stroller so it's a it's a very strange time but yeah Aww. no it's uh little zax he's he's doing great he's doing awesome and it's uh he's he's a little i don't know he's awesome <laughs> 
Well, maybe next year you can take him to the Beltline Lantern Parade. Oh, that's a pretty much a guarantee. <laughs> he would love yes. it. Yes. So, did you go? I did. I did. It was it was overwhelming. Um, in comparison to last year, there were so many more people um, there this year than last, and it started around Crog Street and it finishes at Park Tavern up in Piedmont Park, and. Uh, it was a lot of people. It was a uh, it was a little overwhelming, but it was a beautiful parade. There was a couple marching bands in it, um, beautiful lanterns, and it, just a really cool, fun night full of lots of cool visuals. That is awesome. I we you know where our house is nearly finished is near um, the southwest area, the Beltline, and I'm and that's supposed I think supposed to be finished in six months. So. I'm just oh, awesome. I'm super excited about about the whole thing. And in fact, there was just an article. I don't know if you saw it in the New York Times about the Beltline. Yeah, the the glorified sidewalk. Yeah. What the heck is that? You know what though? Well, I, it's it, to be fair, that's not a bad assessment. I mean, <laughs> I mean maybe you know I, I'm a complete homer and I'm super excited about it. But when when you actually go to the like, if you took all the people and all the activity away from it, I mean, what is it really? I mean. I don't know. That just doesn't seem to encompass the awesomeness to me to just call it a glorified <laughs> sidewalk. I mean, that was the actual article title was glorified sidewalk. I and I was just like, eh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel no, about I, that. It's funny because I, I agree with you because I, I love what it is and, and everything and what it's doing for the city. I, like on the optimistic side of it, you know, the gentrifying thing right. is obviously a very heavy conversation and one that I'm actually very concerned about. But like, I, I think, um, a lot of the homers that I shouldn't say homers, but a lot of the people that have lived in the neighborhood I'm moving into for years were up in arms about that, too. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I totally agree. But also, if I was super duper on the outside looking in. Eh, sorry, I'm, I'm totally <laughs> part of the problem. I But Atlanta forever. And I'm super excited about living, frankly, next to this glorified sidewalk. Well, me too, because I live next to it, and I love it, and I am in the process of acquiring a bike to be able to um, commute up and down it to various places to, to work throughout the week. Um, but yeah, I love it. I love what it's done for the city. I love the, the community that has really surrounded it. It's um, I don't know if you've seen the pianos or heard about the pianos around town. There's like 28 or 29 just kind of like random pianos around town for people to play music on, and one of them happens to be on the Beltline. Oh. Uh, and it's cool. Just anyone can go to them and, and play on them, and it's it's little things like that between the artwork and the the music and just just the community that's kind of surrounding the Beltline. I just, I love it. I absolutely love I it. I completely agree. I think, I think it's waking up. I don't know. It's like bringing something out of the city that, but, but what's great about it. And this is where I totally agree with the sentiment, like calling it a glorified sidewalk is completely wrong because it's, it's, it's like the communities are overlapping in a way where they weren't before. And it's exactly and like, so you're able to kind of like, kind of participate while moving through different communities that's that's the thing at the, the like the heartbeat of it that is so exciting and i love the art that's coming all the farms and stuff that are that are popping up um it's it is super exciting what what, what is has there been any surprises for you living near the beltline what's what's been the biggest like whoa i didn't expect this to be a benefit of this um you know it's just 
really the walkability of everything. It's so easy to get down to Inman Park and Crog Street. And I mean, not that that was like a big surprise. I, I knew that before I moved here, right. but that's definitely been the, the biggest benefit um, to living here. Biggest surprise, I think every time I go out there, you know, especially on the weekends, you see something different or, you know, people promoting something or an art installation or, um, you know, the tiny doors ATL movement, which I love. I love, you know, randomly spotting the little doors around town. <laughs> um, so just kind of, I guess the, the little art things that pop up has been the, the coolest kind of surprise to being on the belt line. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I just, I love it. Yeah. I love it. No, I'm, I'm very excited about, like, I find myself uh, sometimes, like, obsessively searching the internet for new articles about the Beltline, just because I'm antsy. Because, you know, obviously, um, in a lot of the areas where the Beltline already is, it's a lot more established. And the community we're, we're moving into, which is, you know, southwest Atlanta, it, it may be, I mean, it's definitely more of a transitional area. For example, the house we're moving into, I think, has been empty for, like, 12 years and we're oh, we're wow. completely renovating it, and it was empty mm -hmm. and probably has horrific stories in it but but the whole neighborhood around it is really revitalizing um so yeah, and I'm just super excited to see what happens because we're gonna be we're gonna be really close to the belt line that's so awesome. it's uh we'll we'll see what happens, and that stretch is gonna be three miles, but of course, I think the whole thing is supposed to be finished in thirty thirty is that right where the loop is 100%. I think that was the last. I hope it's not 30-30 because we're all going to be dead by 30-30. I bet 20-30. <laughs> yeah. Um, hopefully it'll be done by 20-30. I keep joking. <laughs> what century are we in? I'm so confused. Sorry. <laughs> I keep joking, though, that I, I hope it happens in our lifetime. I mean, it's... Um, They've got some obstacles they have to figure out kind of how to how to tackle with the logistics of it. But um, it's such a great idea. And I'm so excited for a new addition to be part of it so I can go beyond Krog Street. Um, yeah. What's really cool about the whole thing is as momentum picks up around this belt line, it seems like it's garnering more and more support is Ryan Gravel. The guy who came up with the idea in the first place is still involved and he's holding like different communities accountable that are trying to take shortcuts and how they're going to construct something or some, you know, just to make sure the infrastructure of the entire loop is pure. Because obviously right. it's like a chain. If there's one weak link, the whole thing is kaput, especially in, in terms of like the continuity of the loop. So anyways, I am like I definitely have my rose colored glasses on. I really do about the Beltline. So I'm, I'm super excited to see it. And I, I'm actually excited to kind of be in the neighborhood uh, that we're moving into before it is done. So we can kind of be there, you know, sit on the porch and uh, watch the change happen. And hopefully it's change that's good and, and welcomes everybody in the community and doesn't do that price people out thing, which right. which is, you know, obviously easier said than done. But uh, that's that's my hope. Well, um, one of the big supporters of the Beltline is the uh, the Cox family, and I actually got to go to a dinner with Alex Taylor, who is the executive vice president and COO of Cox Enterprises. And it was a, a really cool event that Choose ATL and Techstars put on, and I think it was their fourth time doing this dinner. Nice. And it was really, really cool. Basically, they invited a number of different entrepreneurs and different kind of movers and shakers in the Atlanta scene together to talk about what they were doing, talk about how it benefits the city and kind of talk about the, the next steps and really positioning Atlanta as, you know, the city where people want to be. And, you know, this 
um, why people should move here and why people love it and really shining a, a spotlight on that. Uh, so that was a really, really cool conversation to get to have. And I didn't realize that the, um, that Cox was actually a fourth generation family owned business. It's privately held. And, We're talking about Cox. Uh, sorry, dumb question. Cox Enterprises, Cox the cable yeah. company. Oh wow. Cox the cable company. Yeah. Um, so that was that was pretty cool. Got to talk to their media group and a number of different um, companies that were kind of had you know a, a representative there at the dinner, um, which was really cool. And I just wanted to mention it because they have been such a that that family has been such a huge um, supporter of the Beltline um, in terms of you know financially supporting it. So. Definitely wanted to give them a shout out, and it was just such a cool dinner too. If you if you're not familiar with the Choose ATL movement, um, you can visit Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of those. Uh, choose ATL hashtag Choose ATL. Uh, they did a really cool installation last year at South by Southwest, which is uh, where I had my my panel was actually with them, which was the the rise of geek culture, which was the same thing that I did last weekend at DragonCon. But um, they had a whole building that they had for. Uh, South by Southwest, highlighting the different tech, entertainment, and music scene that we had here in the city and just kind of bringing it to people's attention, all of the cool things that we have going on here in the city. So this uh, new dinner series that they have, it's an invite-only kind of thing, but um, it's super, super cool. And just wanted to mention that because it was a lot of fun. No, that's exciting, and that's super great that you're kind of on the inside, so you can uh, report back to, to the rest of us. But it, it is it is a completely, I do truly believe it's a very exciting time for the city, and, and hopefully and hopefully things will continue to turn in the right direction. I mean, I know the Falcons lost yesterday, I, and sorry for the sports reference, but the Falcons did lose yesterday. But during <laughs> during the Falcons game, there were uh, a couple ads for, um, and this might be counter- Counteracting what you just said about Cox Communications, but, um, you know, with Google Fiber coming and they had a couple commercials on that about it coming to Atlanta, even that was like pumping me up, you know. So it does seem like, uh, maybe just maybe this city is putting things in place to, to kind of, to kind of really establish like a firm footprint in, in a way that, that can be maintained, you know, like to, to grab a foothold and, and continue to march. So right. anyways, I'm excited to be here while we're here. And uh, it is insane to say that I have a child from Atlanta, Georgia. And I swear Aww. to goodness, if you would have told me five years ago, hey, you're going to have a kid and they're going to be from Atlanta. I would have been like, you are crazy. There's no way. <laughs> and here I am. And, and, and not only that, we're about to buy a house and kind of look to live here forever. So take that, Atlanta and glorified sidewalks everywhere. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Well, you were talking about this awesome it. dinner. I made it all about me. You're you're welcome. <laughs> well, talking about kind of all of the things that Atlanta has going for it, uh, entertainment industry definitely can't be ignored. No, and uh, what was really cool on Saturday, Atlanta Movie Tours and Disney Home Entertainment partnered up to do a Captain America tour, and I got to go on it. It was super awesome. A few of our, our listeners um, also got to go. Uh, Mike from Last One to Leave and uh, Matt from Shake Fire were also in in my company awesome. for the for the day. And uh, we had a blast. We got to visit a number of different locations that were highlighted in the film or used in the film. Um, my favorite one probably being Peachtree Christian Church, which was used for Peggy Carter's funeral. And just such a beautiful 
church in general. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty old and pretty awesome, and all of the stained glass windows inside of it are breathtakingly beautiful. Yeah. Um, so that was that was my favorite part of the tour, I think. Um, but it was really cool. They had a cosplayer that they had nabbed from um, uh, Dragon Con, and that was you can see some of the pictures up um, on. Atlanta Movie Tour social media accounts as well as mine. Got a got a picture with them. I, it was actually funny. I tagged one of them, um, Agent Thirteen and her man, and I'd gotten or I'd been told in the past that my doppelganger is Emily Van Camp, who <laughs> plays Agent Thirteen, Sharon Carter, and so I made that reference. And then a bunch of people were like, "Wait, wait, who are you dating? Oh, wait, I'm confused." And I'm like, "No, no, no. This was a geek reference. <laughs> so this is not meant to be taken seriously." Hey, everybody, um, calm down. It's just me and Captain America. All right. Just me and Captain America, yeah. my new boyfriend. <laughs> I should have just gone with it. I should have just been like, yeah, Captain America, my new boyfriend. Yeah, What's up? It's a guy. Yeah. And that's his actual name. It's on his birth certificate. No. <laughs> yep, exactly. That is his actual name. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a uh, that was a super, super cool tour. And uh, that's going to be some of those uh, spots on that tour will be a part of the Heroes Tour you guys have coming up here. That's pretty right. Soon. Coming up pretty quick. I, it's, it's pretty cool because uh, like more and more hero stuff keeps happening here, right? Between Captain America and Ant-Man. And then we kind of put uh, the uh, Hunger Games in that category, too. And also a very, a very unappreciated gem. RoboCop 3 filmed here in Atlanta. And I mean, you know, RoboCop household name. 1993? Yeah. yeah. It's a it's a classic <laughs> film. I don't understand why there aren't more thesis written about Robocop. Okay, moving on. <laughs> but no, yeah, we're, we're very excited about the Heroes Door that's coming. So, Well, it was really cool when we uh, we drove by the uh, the Porsche facility, which, of course, was used, um, you know, as the, the outside of uh, the, the Avengers headquarters there. Um, they had all of the production stuff set up for Spider-Man, which was going to be filming today. Um, oh, wow. Right, right next door. So it wasn't really obvious what they were going to shoot. Maybe it was just exteriors, but it looked like they had a pretty big base camp set up. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a really cool way to, to spend my Saturday. And I look forward to the, the Heroes Tour and, and talking a little bit more about that when you guys release that. Well, when it becomes a thing, yeah. And actually, speaking of release, um, if I could just uh, the, the the small film that brought me and Mandy out to Atlanta in the first place that that I was working on, the documentary Spilled Milk, is actually going to uh, premiere this coming Saturday at a little little film festival called the Atlanta DocuFest Film Festival. So, and it's a uh, it's uh, it's going to be the first time that, outside of test audiences and such, that uh, Spilled Milk has seen the light of day. So I'm very excited about it. So if anybody out there wants to come check out this film, it's called Spilled Milk, and it's going to be premiering at 5.15 p.m. on Saturday, September 17th. Yay. And there's going to be a queue. <laughs> Yay! I'm very, seriously, It's this thing has been sitting on my hard drive for far too long. So, uh, And then afterwards, uh, me and Omar and a couple other people that did a lot to help the film are going to do a Q&A thing. So it's very exciting to finally put this thing in front of eyeballs. So uh, I figured that's worth talking about. Yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you very much. So hopefully, uh, and there's also uh, on that point, there's a big event planned for uh, November 13th that I can't say anything about yet involving the film, um, but one that we're all super excited about. So 
hopefully more on that later. I'm trying to I'm trying to take the class of Emma and and try on teasing. That was my tease, ladies I like and gentlemen. It. Yeah, thank you. That's good. That's good. <laughs> um, well, we also want to talk about Atlanta, which premiered on FX last week, and how awesome it was. It's so good. So good. Yeah. So good. If you haven't seen it yet, um, the new series, it's 30 minute long comedy that aired on FX. And of course, it's uh, based on and shot in Atlanta. And it tells the story of two cousins that are working uh, through the Atlantic music scene in order to better their lives and the lives of their families. So that's the uh, the official description from FX. Nice. Um, but it's, uh, you know, what I really liked is it felt like the work of a single voice that's both frustrated with how things are, but also fascinated by how things are. And it just did such a good job at it. Just, it feels so different from anything that's on TV or anything that I've seen before. And I really appreciate that it's something new. It's original and it feels like a breath of fresh air. I seriously think you could not have just said that better. And I think I think it's a beautiful show and it made me laugh out loud like five times. Mm-hmm. And I was also I was also like very intrigued, you know, like but but like emotionally vested and like, whoa, what's happening here? You know, and uh, I was a huge fan of the the dynamic of, of the one white guy in the episode. I was very amused by that guy. Um <laughs> So yeah, I, it it totally gets high marks for me. I just think again, I just think Donald Glover is brilliant. I hold that guy at such a high esteem. The fact that everything he picks up seems to be good. So I actually had very high expectations going into it, and I feel like it hit every mark that I hoped it would. It definitely did. I'm interested to see where they kind of go with the the weird element of it because you know I kept hearing it being called like Twin Peaks for rappers, and I didn't right. really understand how that could be. And then of course watching the the very first episode, there's a couple of weird things that happen. You know, you have the the dog that's just right. kind of there, and then the person that's sitting next to him on the bus that then just kind of like disappears off the bus with the dog. Right. And um, so there's these kind of like weird moments that you have no idea what they're going to mean in a bigger picture of, uh, of what the series is going to be. So I'm I'm really intrigued to see how that plays out and and adds to the uh, the story if it's all in his head or or what. I don't know. It was weird. I like what they did with it. No, I did too. And, and again, intrigue is the right word. I was totally intrigued by it. And, and I would give all the performances super high marks. And, um, even the very opening when they had the over, the overhead shot of Atlanta, I mm-hmm. thought was, it tells a perfect story. Cause Atlanta, it, 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 it is an interesting city in terms of like the have versus the have nots. And you, you fly over this pristine, beautiful neighborhood and then jump cut to flying over a house that's caving in on itself. I've, I've, you know, to me, I'm like, especially given where we're moving in Southwest Atlanta and where there's still some houses that look like that, it was, um, um, a very true kind of look at the fabric of the city. So I'm, I'm really excited for episode two. For, I think, I think he, uh, he definitely, I'm a horrible committer to television, but I'm, I'm, all in on this one. Yeah, it's on my... Uh, I've just switched over from uh, Comcast before my move to DirecTV, so I'm still trying to figure out how to work my DVR. So the <laughs> only thing that my DVR is currently recording is um, Mr. Robot and this. Nice! <laughs> because I've messed up like everything else I'm trying to do with this thing. Um, but I'm glad that I've got those two on lockdown, and I've, I've got to just figure out what channels are what and, and actually commit to watching TV live again because I've just fallen <laughs> off of it. 
Good Lord, what year is this? 1997? Come on. Yeah. No (laughs) No one watches TV live anymore. It's all it all it is now is DVRs and fast forwarding through the commercials. That's totally true. Unless Comcast disallows you from doing that. That's true. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. so uh, Atlanta, highly recommended by, uh, by, by, in fact, I would go so far as to give episode one a full atlas. Even I though we didn't too. technically review it, I would give it a full atlas. I loved it. I would too. I would too. Um, so that is on Tuesday nights on FX. So be sure to check that out if you haven't already. Um, Boom. Next up, we have <laughs> a, uh, a surprise interview. Surprise, you guys. Oh, my gosh. I just got it for us this morning, so it's a surprise. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But um, this is from from Bridget Jones's Baby's uh, EPK electronic press kit, and it is an interview with the stars of the film, uh, Renee Zellweger, Colin Firth, and Patrick Dempsey. And I wanted to give a brief synopsis of the film before I did that. Renee Zellweger and Colin Firth are joined by Patrick Dempsey for the next chapter of the world's favorite singleton in Bridget Jones's Baby. After breaking up from Mark Darcy, played by Colin Firth, Bridget Jones, of course, played by Renee Zellweger. Um, her happily ever after hasn't gone quite according to plan. 40-something and single again, she decides to focus on her job as a top news producer and surround herself with old friends and new. For once, Bridget has everything completely under control. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> then her love life takes a turn, and Bridget meets a dashing American named Jack, played by Patrick Dempsey. The suitor who is everything, Mr. Darcy is not. In an unlikely twist, she finds herself pregnant with one hitch. She doesn't know who the baby's daddy is. <laughs> So, with with that being said, here is our interview with the three stars from the film. Roll tape. I mean, where where do we find Bridget at the beginning of this movie? Where has she? What has happened in all this time? Um. Well, I guess she's matured a little bit. She's a little bit older. Uh, professionally accomplished. She's been promoted. She's now the producer of a serious news program. Uh, she's a little less naive, probably, um, but still hopelessly romantic and still vulnerable and and perfectly imperfect. And where do you guys sit in amongst all of this, then? I th- <clears throat> I, we're all a bit irrelevant, really. <laughs> <laughs> we're just there to season the drama and the comedy a little bit. But uh, I think if uh, you, you'd, you'd have almost the same film if you got rid of us all together. <laughs> because the animated version's fantastic. <laughs> I like that. It must be really hard for you, though, Renee, play, coming, coming back to play Bridget and having these two guys fight over you. Terrible. I mean... What is it like coming back to play in this role? Obviously, she is a character that movie-going audiences love. I mean, it, like I say, it has been a f- quite a while since we've seen her, but what is it like coming back to play that role? Well, from a selfish perspective, I was thrilled. I love this character. I love her world and her friends and her family and being reunited with her and seeing what she's been up to all this time. It was a lot of fun. It was an interesting new challenge. Um, professionally to try to kind of um, figure out how a person's evolution manifests and more importantly how how she hasn't changed probably <laughs> um, and you know it's not a bad day at work because obviously this is <clears throat> a comeback for yourself as well Colin. <clears throat> you, Patrick you're the new guy I mean mm-hmm. what, what was it like to join this this group of uh... 
Well, it was a great opportunity. I was excited about it and nervous at the same time um, because you're coming into something that's clearly established and and we make an impact and, and, and add value to it. And, you know, all of that. It was fun. And they were so welcoming at the very beginning. Um, and I enjoyed it. It was it was a rediscovery in many ways of the process and taking the time. And, and I really enjoyed watching them work, you know. So it was easy to just show up, listen, and then react to what they were doing. I'm really glad you said yes. Yeah, I'm... It was fun. It was nice to be invited. Thank you. Because it, it wouldn't fun. be Bridget without <clears throat> Mr. Darcy. It just doesn't work, does it? I don't know. I think it might work, actually. I mean, I, I think it would... Do you know what? I think it would work absolutely fine. And, uh, you know, Helen Fielding's third book is basically Bridget without Mr. Darcy, and it works great. And, um, no, I think it's... He's an essential part of her history, uh, and I think the fact that he's turned up unsolicited again, you know. I mean, she still has feelings for him, and that's part of the problem, but he's just... The fact is that he's representing something that just won't really go away, I guess. Um, so... <laughs> She'd manage without it, any or either or all of us. So the audience that are about to sit down and watch the movie, what's in store for the next two hours? What, what have they got to look forward to? Bridget. Well, it's a reunion, really, isn't it? It's fun to checking in with somebody yeah, in a different degree. stage of life, I think. Yeah. It's familiar. Yeah, the audience, however old they were when they first saw the movie, uh, will be 15 years older now, yep. just like the rest of us, yes. like all of us. <clears throat> so that they have um, 15 years of history in common since uh, we first saw Bridget. Mm. I think that's interesting. It means we have nostalgia on its side. It also means we have whatever, hopes, regrets, things that kind of, you know, whatever happens to people in mm. 15 years. And their uh, experiences happen- are relatable. Yeah. Mm. So it happens collectively. You know, and, uh, I, th- I think that adds a lot of resonance to and comedy. And it's fun. And just lastly, you know, in, what is it about this character then that you think, I mean, obviously you guys are in the movie, you, like you said yourself, Renee, you're a fan. What is it you think, though, about her that the audience at home love? What is it about this character that makes her so relatable? She's an authentic person. And I think uh, people connect with her humanity, her vulnerability. She's imperfect. She triumphs anyway. It's inspiring. I think we cheer for her. And uh, she kind of makes it okay for the rest of us to be human. So that was the interview uh, that we pulled from the electronic press kit. And it's been a little while since um, there has been some Bridget Jones's diary movie film anything. The, the, the first one is from <laughs> the first one is from two thousand one. I looked up. I was like, yeah. whoa. That's been a while. So the uh, the book, um, which was written by Helen Fielding, um, she admits, of course, that she stole the the plot of the the story from, of course, Jane Austen's novel uh, *Pride and Prejudice*. So if it seems familiar to you, that is why. If Mister <laughs> If Mister Darcy didn't ring any other bells, <laughs> that is why. Um, and I'm a huge fan of anything that Jane Austen ever wrote. Um, these movies, I don't know, I'm actually not going to be seeing this one. This one screens tomorrow night, and I have a prior engagement, so I won't be at the screening of it. Um, I don't know. I feel like sometimes when you, you're just trying to make something work that's not going to work, and I fear that that is what this is. I don't know. I don't know. 
That's well. I'll tell you, my favorite thing about the interview is that Colin Firth pretty much says repeatedly, "I don't even know I'm here. I don't need to be here. This movie doesn't need me at all. <laughs> so it would still work without me. This is just, uh, you know, I, I, I listen. I loved me some Renee Zellweger and uh, me myself and Irene. Mm-hmm. I admit it. Um, and you know, Jerry Maguire. Mm-hmm. You had me at hello is one of the most epic lines ever in cinematic it history. Is. So, uh, so yeah, you know, I like, uh, I hope fans of this, I guess it's now a trilogy. <laughs> it is. Are super excited to, uh, watch a lady who's basically, uh, doesn't know who the daddy is. Yep. Which just, uh, <laughs> makes me judge her harshly, but whatever. Who am I? I'm, you know, this movie isn't for me. I'm. You're a not dude. the target demo. <laughs> no, I am not. Neither is Colin Firth, which is why I love him even more. <laughs> I, I have to admit that. You know, a year from now, if this is like on on TV and I'm on my couch with nothing to do, I'm probably going to watch it. I probably will get sucked into watching it, um, as I have other <laughs> other times. Bridget Jones's Diary has uh, has been on TV, but um, you know what? I could just go for another remake of Pride and Prejudice. Let's just like keep remaking it over and over and over. Nice. I'm nice. totally. I'm I'm like Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. How awesome was that movie? That was amazing. Yeah. That was good stuff. Um, so yeah, uh, that is uh, that comes out this Friday, and this is a kind of crazy weekend with the uh, the the box office. We've got Snowden coming out, Blair Witch, uh, of course, Bridget Jones's Baby, Operation Avalanche, and those are all the ones that I have listed. I'm sure there's a couple more, but uh, it's going to be a busy weekend at the box office. Kind of an interesting one. And for the record, if this film was titled Bridget Jones's Baby and Zombies, yes, uh, you're going to get a completely different reception from me. <laughs> I would totally be going to see it if that was the yeah, case. Yeah, yeah. So that's just just to make it clear. And then if like if if one of the zombies was maybe the dad, holy cow, that's that good is stuff. good stuff. I think we just okay. gave them the idea for the fourth film. I think we did. I mean, these small horror films are making a lot of money. I'm just saying. They are. Um, So speaking of that, going into our box office results for the weekend, um, of course, Sully came in first place. It got $35.5 million, which made it the fifth best opening in September ever. And it was Clint Eastwood's best first weekend ever as a director. Um, so success on all fronts uh, for, for Sully this weekend. Debuting in second was the thriller When the Bow Breaks, which stars Regina Hall and Morris Chestnut. Uh, the film brought in $15 million and Don't Breathe fell to third place in its second week with $8.2 million, which brings its total growth so far to $66.8 million. And, you know, we've talked about this before. It only cost uh, yeah. under $10 million, uh production budget to make. So that's... Pretty impressive for Don't Breathe. That's called that's called winning. It is called yes. winning. <laughs> Hashtag yes. winning. Yes. <laughs> um, Suicide Squad fell to fourth with five point six million, and The Wildlife premiered in fifth with three point four million, and uh, that was our top five films of the weekend. So, uh, pretty pretty solid weekend. Yeah, yeah. It looks like it's a. Uh, I guess no surprises there, really. Not really. I mean, I'm I'm always impressed when a. Uh, these little horror movies do so well. Um, those are surprising to me, but I love that. It's like such a happy surprise to see such a small film do so well. Yeah. I saw, uh, kind of unrelated, but I saw it. looks like they're remaking Blair Witch. I saw a trailer for yeah. that, and I was a little bit like, why are you doing that? Because that was like such a moment in time, kind of the first like found footage movie ever mm-hmm. that 
just blew everybody away, and now, I don't know, maybe it'll be good. But uh, I want to see that one so bad. It's um, they're screening that one at the same time that I have my Snowden screener, and I obviously oh. the techie nerd that I am, I have to go see Snowden. Um, so yes. Blair Witch, hopefully I can uh, I can find out from some of my friends how how well it's received. <laughs> but no, uh, it does. But yeah, it is. That was such a a big moment. Um, or well, I, it was the first of its kind, like you said, and it kind of started yeah. that whole kind of. Um, found footage style movie telling. Um, it is interesting that we're going back to it. And it's interesting that it's called Blair Witch and not something else. Right. Like Blair Witch 2. Was there a Blair Witch 2? I don't even. There was, and it was it was really bad. Because I remember it, it was basically trying to ride the wave of the original Blair Witch, and it didn't go anywhere. But I, like Blair Witch came out in 1999, so I think I was just out of college at the time. And I remember it seriously, like, as like a horror movie fan, it just like took over the world. You know, it was like it suddenly did. this mainstream thing that came out of nowhere. So I was really surprised that, oh, they're going to reboot that. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at uh, the, the synopsis of it now. It says a group of college students venture into the Black Hills Forest in Maryland to under uncover the myster- er, mystery surrounding the disappearance of Tommy's sister, Heather. At first, the group is hopeful, especially when a pair of locals offer to act as guides through the dark and winding woods. But as the endless nights wear on, the group is visited by a menacing presence, and one by one, they begin to disappear. Slowly, they begin to realize the legend is all too real and more sinister than the footage revealed 20 years ago. So that is the, uh, the description of the, the new film. Ah, interesting. So it's still, it's still, it's not necessarily a complete reboot. It's still kind of in the same timeline as the original? It sounds like it. It sounds like it. I don't really, uh, I don't remember the first one that well, other than the fact that I remember it gave me nightmares. That's pretty much all I remember from it. Yeah, (laughs) I just just remember that we're going to die out here, that line that showed up in every comedy bit forever for a while. Yeah. well, anyways, now that we're super on track, speaking of horror films, Sully. <laughs> Sully, yes. <laughs> yeah. So I'm actually very antsy to uh, know how this film was for you, Emma Loggins. Well, you know, I actually really liked it. Um, I was surprised going in that it was only 95 minutes long. When I heard that before it started, I was like, 95 minutes? That seems really short. Um, oh, man, that's crazy that that's the expectation now, but you're totally I know, right. It, it really is. I expected it to at least be two hours. But um, what it, what was good about it is that the pace seemed relatively even throughout. You know, it, it didn't seem like there were any big lulls or anything that was um, super weird in pacing. Um, gotcha. So I, I liked that. Um, the way the film opens is kind of intense it uh it opens by going kind of through a a sequence of what could have happened had he not landed it in the river and it it shows it crashing into um you know a a building in manhattan and then you of course realize that it's a a nightmare sequence i think this is a spoiler because it's literally the first scene in the movie um (laughs) but you know they they keep kind of revisiting these nightmares throughout the film and it's you know the the imagery especially around you know this time of year September 11th it, it's just so right. it's so vivid and so emotionally intense so i was kind of interesting or interested to see how the public was going to receive that um just because it, obviously it, it is such a, a sensitive thing um but i definitely think that it it helped you to kind of connect with Sully and, and understand 
kind of the emotional mental space that he was in, you know, when this happened and like, right after it happened and, and what could have happened and all these questions that were probably going through his head, um, you know, worst case scenario, what, what could have happened had he not um, right. done what he did at the exact moments that he did it. What was at stake? Yeah. Well, are you ready to give this thing the official Atlas review? Yes, let's do oh, it. Let's do it. All right. Well, uh, boredom gauge, one to five, five being five alarm boredom. Were you uh, bored? I was not bored, so I'm going to give it a one. Nice. That yeah. is a good score. No. Uh, eye rolling gauge. Were you ever rolling your eyes at this film? Um, I, I don't recall rolling my eyes at it, so I'm going to give it another one for that. Nice. Okay, that might be the first time ever. I know. You started out with two ones. That's kind of exciting. <laughs> it is. Um, so, who is the best performance? I feel like the answer is pretty much a pre-drawn conclusion, but who is the best performance? Definitely Tom Hanks. I mean, any movie that he's in, he's such a fantastic actor. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's obvious. Um, Aaron Eckhart did a great job as well, so he gets an honorable mention. I'm actually happy to see him in a movie that's good again. Like, he's a really good actor, and it he seems is. like since The Dark Knight, he was just kind of like, all right, I'll do that movie. I'll do that movie. You know, he hasn't really <laughs> seemed to be in a movie that kind of helped him have the girth that he has as a performer, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, gosh, so, and it wasn't, well, it was, it was uh, probably not a lot of Georgia recognition factor, even though it was filmed a lot in Atlanta. Right, right. A lot of it was. I definitely, as soon as they showed the outside of Meehan's, I was like, I remember when, I remember when that shot there and I remembered it being all over, you know, the AJC and all over the local publications of everyone kind of spotting Tom Hanks and Clint Eastwood inside and outside the bar that night or the, yeah. that, that time period when it filmed. Um, so instantly when they showed that, that, um, that scene, I was like, oh, Georgia. Um, aside from that, <laughs> I didn't really, really recognize Georgia that much. It's uh, movie magic made it all look like New York. It is, and it probably saved the production like a trillion dollars. I mean, that's not a real figure, but I bet it's, you know, <laughs> within shouting distance of that. So, um, uh, overall, you don't regret spending the time you watch this movie. No, no, I would, um, I would give this an atlas. I would give it a, a full five out of five. It was a full five out of five. A full five out of five. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great movie. It's a, um, great cast, great scripts, um, great. Obviously, it's a, it's an amazing story. Um, so yeah, I, I loved everything about it, and I, it's so funny because I've been watching all these interviews with Clint Eastwood, um. Who's 86, and it blows my mind that he can he can just kind of like ramble on in some of these interviews like like he does, and then do something you know where he's doing these these uh, films where he's only doing one takes of uh, or one take of a certain scene and then just going with it. Because right. um, it seems like he would, I don't know. It's just it it doesn't seem like that would be how he would be. So I find that really fascinating to kind of look at. The interviews that he's doing and then, you know, the stories of how he films and how he works with actors and and all of that. And um, but it works. So that's, what it's interesting. <laughs> so 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 basically I, the point you're making is like he tends to ramble a little bit in his interviews, but he seems so concise and tight when he's making a film. Yeah, he does. That that is interesting. That Those are those are two kind of those are kind of like two different muscles, I would imagine. But exactly. I mean, obviously, the man has been around. Gosh, the film business 
like first oh god like what you know yeah. what could you possibly tell him that he hasn't experienced firsthand in that business it's insane he even crashed a plane right so yeah i've done that exactly. too that's why i decided to make this movie so no it's exactly. uh, it's it's pretty cool that he's still sharp but i i did notice that in the interview that we played last week i'm like gosh he's uh he's rambling a little bit i wonder but yeah it, he keeps churning something out right or at the very least he's he's getting people around him that helps him look great so exactly awesome exactly he's got a good team at 86 years old yeah i don't have my uh mandy's dad is 82 and he honestly is sharp as a whip but he does all these tricks to keep himself sharp right he he doesn't allow himself to be lazy and he gets up and walks every day and he's he's always been such an inspiration to me but uh I don't know. Then you then you look at uh, Clint Eastwood. He's like, yeah, I got five movies in uh, in production uh, for next year. So we'll see what happens. It's I'm insane. a firm it's believer, awesome. and that's the way to do it. It's it's when you when you slow down that I think you you're you you kind of lose that edge you have. You're not as sharp. You're not as on it. You're not as you know with it and as mentally healthy. And when you you keep yourself busy and you keep doing more and more and more, I think it just keeps you sharp. Yeah, especially if you're doing something. Uh, that's, that's within your kind of passion circle, so to speak, you know, like, exactly. I know some people that are like, well, I plan on retiring early cause I hate my job and I like feel bad for them because, you know, that's why I'm like a guy who likes road trips. I think getting there is part of the adventure, you know? Yeah. And so I, I think I, I would hate to go to a job. I hate it every day just in hopes of retiring early. That seems, who am I? I'm just giving life advice here on the Atlas. Uh, but uh, still, I think uh, I think weirdly, uh, this man Clint Eastwood is a pretty good example of this, you can stay sharp in your area of expertise, especially if you have a passion for it. Definitely. Yeah. So definitely. There you go. We need some inspirational music here. We do. Yeah. We do. <laughs> um, we have some cool stuff coming for next week too. Um, for our little teaser section. Um, I do want to give a shout out to Project Cosplay, which will be this Thursday night at Joystick Game Bar. That's coming at 9 p.m. tomorrow, right? If you're listening on Wednesday, which theoretically <laughs> is today when you're listening. Exactly. So tomorrow, well said. go to cosplay. Go to cosplay. Um, it's going to be awesome. We have a TV theme this month, and I will be there in costume as Darlene from Mr. Robot, and we'll also have a couple other Mr. Robot characters. Nice. And hopefully, hopefully, some of our other attendees will be dressing up as well. In addition to, of course, our our models and our contestants. So um, definitely come out for that. Be sure to get there a little before nine, so you can grab a drink and grab a good seat. And then, of course, we have your film screening. You want to give the information for that again? Sure. Uh, Spilled Milk is screening with the Atlanta DocuFest. Um, it's 5.15 p.m. on Saturday the 17th. 5.15 is easy to remember because that's my birthday. So that's kind of handy. Um, so, yeah. Uh, tickets, I think, are 8 bucks a piece. I'm not sure how many seats are left, but, uh, yeah, would love to see people there to watch my tiny film. Awesome. And I would be there if I wasn't going to be somewhere else. Um, I'm going to be, <laughs> I would be there. I want to be there to support you. I'll be, I'll be, uh, supporting you via social media. That's perfect. I'll, I'll get a cardboard um, cutout and put you in a seat and it'll really creep people out. I love it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> um, I'm actually going to be attending the Rome Film Festival this weekend. Not Rome, Italy. People keep asking me that. 
Rome, Georgia. Ah, yes. <laughs> so um, I will be up there and we'll be talking about that next week. Cool. Um, we'll also have a review of Snowden next week, which I am super, super excited for. And then I want to mention um, a week from this Friday, which I believe is the 23rd. I believe that's September 23rd. Um, SCAD Film is going to be hosting a screening of Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And yours truly will be there to uh, host a Q&A with the director. So tickets for that are on sale now. They're $15. And, of course, they're free if you're a SCAD student. Um, and I will get a link up to that on my social media as well. Um, but if not, you can just uh, Google SCAD Film, and you should be able to find where to purchase tickets for that. That is super cool. Uh, congratulations on that. The director of Fast Times at Ridgemont High. We, I, you've got to come up with like a question he's never been asked before. She. Oh, I'm a horrible <laughs> sexist. I assume all good things come from men, Emma. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, yeah, you definitely have to come up with something that she has not been asked before. I hope that I can. Um, Amy Heckerling, she's uh, directed a ton of cool stuff before. One of my all-time favorite movies, Clueless, because it is a modern-day retelling of Jane Austen's Emma. So <laughs> how can I not love that? Um, but she did a ton of stuff. Uh, Look Who's Talking, she was a writer on that. Oh, um, we were just looking for that the other day, because I, I was like, I haven't seen that movie forever now that I have a kid. But yeah, it's not on any of the renties. <laughs> I want to go back and rewatch it, actually. Um, that was such a... I, I remember watching that as a kid. Um, but, of course, she also worked on an episode of The Muppets, uh, the, the TV series that left us too soon oh, man. <laughs> this year. I was wa we were watching uh, Muppets, um, Great Muppet Caper last night, just because... Uh, oh. Yes, and it, I was just watching it going like, damn it, why didn't that... They should have given that show just one more season. These, yeah. The dynamic between these characters is just too good. I completely agree. I feel like Amy and I are going to be like BFFs because of the the clueless, <laughs> yeah. the Muppets, Fast Times. Like I just, well, I feel like, I feel like everything is just gonna. Yeah, that's I super just, cool. I feel like we're going to get along really well. I honestly feel very <laughs> meek that I did not realize uh, that that woman is. That number one, that that was a woman who directed that film, and that she's responsible for a lot of other things. I'm also a fan of so bad, bad me basically. But that's I'm very <laughs> excited for you. That's that's what a what a fun opportunity. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I'm super excited for that. So we'll have some more details on that next week. But definitely go ahead and grab tickets if that's something you want to check out. Brilliant. And that is it on my end. Do you have anything else on your end? Uh, I don't have anything else. On my end. So, I guess, uh, I guess this is the end of this episode 24. Time. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, thank you guys for joining us for episode 24 of the Atlas Podcast. Again, my name is Emma Loggins, editor-in-chief at fanbolt.com. My name is Jakai Mickelson, and I uh, work with Atlanta Movie Tours. And thank you so much for listening. We'll see you guys next week. 